Welcome back to Podcast Radio. I'm Andy. I'm Joe. And this week we're talking about werewolves. Oh. I'll add a sound effect if I can. Yeah, that's good. That's the best one you can get. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, instead of a question this week, I, I found this little thing. Oh, and man, I, was like, I was looking forward to my question. Uh, well, this is this will be different. We'll do a question on, on the next episode. That'll work. Okay. But I thought I found it cool because I didn't know this was. Uh, I didn't know he was a real person. But Ichabod Crane, did you know he was a real person? Yes, I didn't know that. So uh, it's Ichabod Crane. I guess he was a colonel and was a professional military officer for 48 years. And they said likely was the um, the name for the legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. So throughout the War of 1812, Crane served on the. Niagara border. He was appointed a commander and he helped construct Sackett's Harbor, New York. And um, Crane's memorable name, Ichabod, comes from the Bible, the name of Eli's grandson, the high priest and son of Phineas. And there's a picture of him. But how did you know he was a real person? Not because I've done good, solid research, just because I saw it on a show. Oh, was it Sleepy Hollow? No, um, it was one of my uh, paranormal shows they were talking about, and they mentioned a little backstory of him, so that's the only reason I knew. Oh, oh that's cool. Person. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Well, because I like the cartoon real good. You Do know, you? The Disney one? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, so, well, this week it's on uh, Dogman, Werewolf, and Sinophalli is also another name for, or Lichen. Lichen, I was yeah. going to say, okay, yeah. So we got four names there. Hopefully when somebody's looking for a werewolf podcast, it'll come up under one of those. So Sinophalli, Sinophallus means, uh, Sino means dog and Cephalus or Cephalus means of the head. So I don't know how to say that. So I'm just going to call him dog man for the, uh, as I read this. Hey, that works for me. Okay. Okay. So. You've probably seen images of the Egyptian god Anubis, the god of death and embalming. Anubis has been found in Egyptian tombs and has the body of a man and the head of a jackal. This is clearly a dog man. You know, you've seen that before, Yeah, right? the Egyptian deals. Yeah. yeah, the huge, yeah. I was always like, oh, man, they're wearing helmets and stuff. You know, that's what I always thought, that they would put on a dog man helmet. I thought that's what it was. Yeah. Well, that's, okay. not according to them. Well, what I told you... Uh, Historically, the detailed written accounts of explorers, conquerors, and missionaries of these dogmen, they have stories in India, Asia, Africa, and Europe, and they're all consistent. Wow. Some of them will take place in the same century, and some of them will be a couple centuries apart, and they describe the same type of creature. Which that's not a coincidence. No, not a coincidence. Different cultures, different centuries, same description. And then us Latin people got a hold of it and turned it into the chupacabra and messed it all up. But chupacabra is real, dude. I, it is. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, they all have these cool backstories, <laughs> and then once it hits, you know, my thing, there's like, come on, guys, yeah. couldn't we made it cool? <laughs> Okay, so these strange creatures were described in writings as recent as the last few hundred years. There are clear depictions of dogmen in the writings of St. Augustine, Alexander the Great, Marco Polo, and even Christopher Columbus. I didn't know that. Yeah, neither did I until I started reading about it. 
So while no skeletal remains have been made public yet, um, there is enough consistent detail describing them to raise a few questions. So the earliest known reference of a dog man were found in Libya, carved into the cliffs and boulders on a plateau 4,000 years ago. Among the rock carvings of giraffes, elephants are two dog-headed men dragging the body of a rhino, and other images in that area include dog-headed human carrying a club with a dog-headed baby at its feet. And another one carries on its shoulders the now-extinct ox-like animal, the auroch. So, and that they have skeletons for. Not, like, not skeletons like dinosaurs where, right. where it's made in China, but like a real skeleton of this extinct ox. But it's so cool. I, I, I like it when um, you could see Native American art, cave drawings, or you can go back to these ancient cultures and they actually made a you know statue or a mural in rock or painted something yeah. and preserved it. And it's with um, other things that are still alive now. Yeah. Right, exactly. It, it just... Uh, it adds authenticity authenticity mm-hmm. to the story, not just it's not a fable or folktale. Right. They were actually discussing this or, you know, had something to tell other than just making it up and glamorizing it over the years. Right. Like the, they have dogmen in their, their written and their verbal, you know, history. Yeah. No dinosaurs. No dinosaurs. You know, stuff like that. This is why I, I, this, something like this, I'd be like, okay, I can, I could see this being real at one time. You know? Definitely. So from this, where do you think we went from this to where we're at now with, let's go, Twilight, the whole glamorized Hollywood version of a werewolf? What, what do you, did we just, do you think add to the story? Oh, Glam- yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Make a, Make some fiction, sell some books, you know, just like your major triangle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got articles to sell, so let's bring all the shipwrecks into this small space. That makes sense. I mean, there's there's no difference in, like, when people get wrapped up in the life of fiction, mm-hmm. and that's who they become. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you got these conventions where people like to go and gather and talk about them. And they like not. to pretend they're vampires. Yeah. Wear their cloak and... Put in their contacts. But I think vampires exist. Yes. At least one. Uh-huh. But that's just me. I gotcha. I, I believe you. So the first known written account of these uh, dogmen were by the Greek and the physician Sisius in the 5th century BC. In short, he described a civilization of roughly 120,000 dog-headed, dark-skinned men and women he called them swarthy with long, hairy tails, living in lofty and inaccessible mountains in India. He said their teeth were larger than those of dogs. Their nails were long. Though he heard no language, he claimed they barked like dogs and were thus understood by each other. Sisius said that dogmen slept on leaves or grass in mountain caves, and they would live up to 200 years. Wow, they knew quite a bit about them. Yeah, like he interacted with them. So here, you know, then a, a, a carving of, of this guy. He also noted that given their strength and isolation, they could not be defeated in war and that they were very swift 
an effect of hunters who would pursue and easily overtake their prey, cooking it by roasting it in the sun before eating the flesh. He also said they were shepherds, raising sheep, goats, and asses, procuring milk and whey from their herds. And the richest of the dogmen owned more sheep and wore linen, while the rest wore tanned, furless animal skins. They were also ate sweet fruit, which they collected and traded along with purple flower dye. And they would trade that to the king of India in exchange for bread, flour, cotton weapons, swords, bows, and arrows. Wow. Yeah. Talk about intelligent. Mm-hmm. So one thing Sisius noted was that they are extremely just like the rest of the Indians with whom they associate. He said they understood the Indian language, but were unable to converse with them, only barking or making signs with their hands and fingers to reply. In case that wasn't enough detail, Sisius added that the women bathed monthly and the men, with the exception of their hands, didn't bathe at all. You know, so that's kind of like a really minuscule detail to notate if you're just making up crap. Right. So in the same century as Sisius, there were more accounts of dogmen by Greek writers and historians. One of them was Herodias. He traveled to the eastern region of Libya. So the, um, and it's the same, same description. You know, these guys, these dog-headed race, you could go up there and trade with them. They traded with the king. They got, um, they would get weapons from them. They had herds. They wore clothes. They, it's the same information again. So besides their, I guess, scary or uh, I guess uh, I don't want to say their look, mm-hmm. but their intimidating features, they were very civilized yeah. Yeah. and able to trade and work. And Okay. Yeah. Wow. So now we go a few decades later. Alexander the Great invaded India. So. Right. We started out in India and said, hey, these guys are great. You know, you can go up there and trade with them and they'll treat you good. And he too claimed in letters to his famous philosopher teacher Aristotle that he had seen a dog man. He even claimed to have caught some and described them as fierce, vicious, barking, snarling beasts. In the letter that he sent to Aristotle, he included a manuscript, which we now know as the famous poem Beowulf, which we've all yeah. heard of that. So, you know, centuries later, they go from being a race described as, you know, like an Indian race, uh, Native Americans, and, right. you know, you can go and trade with some of them, to now they're just savage, we're, we're capturing them, they're beasts, they're, yeah. they're, not, um, they're not something you would want to deal with, you just want to kill it, you know? Yeah. So for about 1,500 years following the original accounts of dogmen, many explorers, conquerors, and even Christian missionaries claimed to have seen and interacted with the dog-headed men. There are accounts that even King Arthur joined the witness when he and his family, or he and his army allegedly defeated a band of dog soldiers in the mountains surrounding Edinburgh, Scotland. So Wow. Now we got, even in Scotland, dogmen. But so, they all originated there. Now they're capturing them, yeah. relocating them. India, okay. Libya, Scotland. I mean, they're all over the place. They're coming now. <laughs> <laughs> In Orthodox Christianity or Christian history, both St. Christopher and St. Andrew are regularly depicted in ancient artwork at, with dog heads. 
So it was said that St. Christopher repented and was transformed to become entirely human before he was part half and half. Of course, this is all said to be symbolic, but it leaves you wondering. St. Augustine, who lived in 430, was one of the most influential early Christian fathers. He spoke of the existence of dogmen and other strange races, claiming that he personally preached the gospel to them. Though his accounts, or through his accounts, they became recognized as morally dumb and sometimes even demonic, but he believed they were always redeemable. Really? Okay. Wow. So an Italian traveler in the 13th century and the first European to document the Mongols told of an encounter between armies of Khan and a dog-headed people near Lake ba Baikal, in which is now Russia. He said the monsters had men's heads, but dogs' faces. He said they spoke, as it were, in words that were more like the barking of a dog. And then... Lastly, one lesser-known account of dogmen in Orthodox Christianity was that of the Christian theologian Radimus. One of the monks asked him, What do I do when I encounter the dogheads? Can I save their souls? Do I preach to them? Or do I look at them as criminals? The church clearly claimed they were beasts, and Radimus was concerned, and he consulted his elder in a letter on the dog-headed creatures. So there's a letter that still exists where this guy's writing wow. to, you know, his higher-ups in the church, like, what do we, do we preach the gospel to these dog-headed men? Yeah, or what, what's expected? <laughs> <laughs> so he tries to persuade his superiors that the dog-heads were, in fact, sons of Adam, and that they should be allowed to convert to Christianity and not be treated as animals. Wow. So, I mean, there is a lot of um, paintings of dog-headed people, you know, from Egypt to all different, um, all different religions, you know. Yeah. It's strange. What's to, your take on it? Where do you think it came from? I would go back to Genesis 6, you know, when the angels come down and they, they pollute the race of man. You know, and then we got the Book of Enoch saying, yeah, not only did they pollute the race of man, they also polluted the uh, animal race as well. You know, that's true. And yeah. so that that's why I, I always give a little bit of, you know, let's stop and, and, and listen to the what the Native Americans, what they say they encountered. They say they encountered giants, redheaded giants in America, you know, red. And, you know, when we get to that, we'll will show that skeletons were found all over the United States. Um, they also came across Sasquatch, you know, giant hairy creatures. And these are all depicted in their cave, you know, drawings, drawings. and stuff. Yeah. But not just here in America, but here we see Libya, we see Scotland, we see India, India. you mm -hmm. know, and they all, you know, thought it was important enough to, uh, not only write down a history about these creatures, but carve them into stone or paint them on walls, you know, like they're warning their people or just educating them. Oh, you can go trade with these people. And then it wasn't long until, yeah, don't go around those things. They're demonic. They're right. something to fear. So then at that point, they have all this uh, backstory and history in these countries how about when it gets to the United States? 
any how far back does that go? You need anything to say other than like a shapeshifter, Native yeah. Americans, or and I'll put a video in the notes for uh, it's a Native American talking about skinwalkers. I thought it was really good, so I'll let him talk about it. But he's like, no, these are evil things. Yeah, and then you have remember the show in the eighties, Manimal. Oh yeah. <laughs> He would turn into a bird, a panther, or was that the only two things? No, oh, every once in a while he, he'd be like, um, is it a, a horse? Oh, but okay. oh, those are off-screen changes, you know, mm-hmm. that yeah. he would turn into. But I think, I'm not sure if there was a dog in there, though, in one of them. He could turn into that. Maybe. But they never said wh- how he got this power other than that if he just thought about it long enough, mm-hmm. it happened. Yeah, and he made an appearance in uh, later in the 90s when they had the night. Nightman TV show, Manimal shows up in an episode. Really, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, you can look that up on YouTube. I remember that show, Nightman. No, Manimal. Manimal, yeah, yeah. Manimal and Auto Man. Yeah, yeah, those were the two. One season you'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm saying at this point, they've all these cool, like you're saying, the hier- whether hieroglyphics, drawings, and caves, and then it gets here, and it just gets like lost. the The true history of it gets lost, and it becomes fiction hollywood yeah or covered up you covered know? up yeah 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 so um later in the 13th century the famous explorer marco polo describes dogmen as barbaric cannibals so here we are you know they started out as peaceful then a couple centuries later the other guy said the same thing in his travels to the island off the coast of burma in the indian ocean he said the people were without a king he considered them no better than wild beasts he said the men have heads like dogs and teeth and eyes like a dog as well he described them as looking like mastiff dogs he said that he thought they had many spices they were a cruel generation and they would eat anybody they caught if not their own race Jeez. So I'm like, maybe, you know, at some point they, it was just intermingling with just, you know, too much inbreeding and it turned them into these creatures and they finally killed them off because, you know, they live, they claim that they lived to 200 years old. And if you have a, a, a race of 120,000 of them, that's plenty to keep it clean, you know? Right. But at some point, maybe a lot of them got killed off or, um, just too much inbreeding turned them into this. And I could see that. Yeah. Any species you have, you start to, I guess, mess with their circle of life and way of living. Mm -hmm. Things get weird. Yeah. Humans on top of that. Yeah. So while most ancient written accounts of dogmen occurred in India and Persia, sightings moved west over time. And as they did, stories became more violent and the creatures more barbaric. In the 15th century, Christopher Columbus arrived in Haiti to an unwelcoming and hostile situation, where he claimed to see men with one eye and others with dog noses who were cannibals, and when they captured an enemy, they beheaded him, drank his blood, and cut off his private parts. Wow. So that's some good, you know, uh, history of real people that lived in history and they've found it important enough to write it. You know, I don't know. I look back and I'm like, would you really write that to a queen or, you know, these explorers like Marco Polo and Christopher Columbus, it's not like they were just like, Hey, I'm going to be an explorer my whole life. You know? Yeah. No, you had to, someone had to pay for that 
pay for that ship, pay for the men, and, and you had mm-hmm. to produce. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't produce, they get rid of you. And you're just going to make up stuff. Yeah. Your, your, your well, findings and whatnot. What, what would the point of that be? Right, exactly. You know, you got to bring back sugar, tobacco, dyes, you know, um, clothes. Spices. Yeah. That's what they're on the hunt for. So, But then you could say, well, let's just make up this bullshit story, and that's why I didn't bring you back any. they caught us yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) so um the other cool thing i found and we'll we'll go ahead and go through this the nazi werewolves who terrorized the allied soldiers at the end of world war ii did you ever hear about this no so american intelligence officer frank Manuel started seeing the symbol near the end of world war ii etched across white walls in the Franconia region of Germany, a straight vertical line intersected by a horizontal line with a hook on the end. So they were seeing this painted like on brick walls and stuff. And uh, what it was, was the uh, sign of the werewolf. The sign of the werewolf? Yeah, this. So this flag. So Hitler came up with this idea. He's losing the war, right? So he starts two more like terrorist groups one is his military he has a special werewolf brigade and they'll parachute out and all their job is is to sow discord among you know their enemy like blow stuff up kill people you know just cause any kind of chaos you can think of the other group is just the regular german people and he's like, you want to be part of the Führer's Werewolf Brigade, you kill the American or anybody that, you know, is uh, a sympathizer, even <sighs> if it's your neighbor, you know. So they're putting that out on the radio. So he, on two fronts, he has an organized military group going out and doing this. And then also just a civilian unit, you know, you could capture you know, young kids' imaginations like, yeah, I'm doing something for the, for my country. For the cause. Yeah. And it worked for a while too. See, and all, I guess all he was trying to do was cause disruption, enough disruption to where they would do, according to this article, peace talks and the war would stop, but it would still be f- uh, a favorable resolution for Germany. Yeah. And it would keep him in power. So he would stay in power. The war would stop. You know, they're not trying to, and he would just keep what he has. And, um, okay, I, I concede we're not going to stop anymore. That is very interesting. We're definitely going to have to come circle back to to Hitler on another topic oh, yeah. of the show. I mean, and I found a news article that propaganda you even put out, wow. werewolf attacks. That's even scary looking, just yeah. the, the font and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I mean, what I thought of immediately, I'm like, okay, Hitler's propagandizing his people yeah. with this werewolf information. Does that remind you of anything today? What Any paranormal propaganda we get on the news all the time. Oh, from UFOs. Yep. Just immediately. Mm-hmm. Immediately. And now that the Smith-Munt Act has been amended, it is now legal for the media and our government to propagandize against the american people prior to obama's administration it was illegal they made that act around world war ii because hitler was propagandizing his own people so they enacted something to protect the citizens of the united states 
so that we could not be propagandized against our own government. It is now legal. Now it's illegal. No, now it is legal. It is legal. You can get on the news and spew any bullshit you want. The government can give out false information, and it is not illegal. You can look up Smith, M-U-N-D-T, Munt Act. Okay, that's interesting. And you'll see it. You can find it in government websites. Wow. Because it's uh, it is an amended law now. So So it's okay to lie now. It's okay to lie, propagandize. So next time you turn on uh, Fox News, CNN, whatever propaganda network you like to listen to when you go home, lie, lie, lie. We should do a whole show on propaganda, and the whole show we do is on false facts and just make up stuff as we go and not re- and just talk and see. Oh, yeah, we could just, just bullshit whatever yeah. we want, but we won't tell you till later. Exactly. <laughs> and see if people are like, that's it. I agree. I've read that. Somewhere. I've read that. That's all true. Yeah, well, I just brainwashed you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> evil laugh, evil laugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. Um, continue to give us a five star review. Uh, podcast 13 at gmail.com, and that's podcast C A C H E 13 at gmail.com. Like and share. Until next time.